The Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, episode 71, Monday, May 21st, 2007. So I am here with Dave Prager, webmaster of poopreport.com, which we have mentioned on the show, and author of the new book Poop Culture, out in bookstores. Hi, Dave. Welcome to The Paunch Stevenson Show. It is a pleasure to be here, an absolute pleasure. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, it's funny because I was checking the mail like I do every day, uh, the email, and I saw an email with the subject, Poop, Culture, and You. Well, the way I see it is I got this book coming out, and uh, it's pretty much up to me to make this a huge and tremendous success. And to do that, I'm going to get on everything I can. Um, and so it's great that you guys have talked about poop because it's hard to find uh, poop-friendly media sometimes. So uh, you guys seem pretty poop-friendly. Yes. You 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 uh, <laughs> you hang a, a brown flag outside your window so people know you're poop-friendly. Imagine if we had signs that said bathroom-friendly so you could see like a, a house you knew. If you had to, you could just stop there and go to the bathroom. We need that, especially in New York City where, you know, <laughs> I'm walking down the street, I'm going shopping, or I'm going to a restaurant, and I have to go to the bathroom. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, can you imagine, though, if, like, you got, oh, uh, uh, the fourth floor apartment in the rear. Go ahead, use your bathroom. <laughs> no problem. That well, would be no, weird. It's interesting, though, because I found out you live in New York City. I live in New York City. And basically, I view Starbucks as a public bathroom. Yeah, exactly. And I am glad, you know, people complain, oh, there's a Starbucks on every corner. I'm glad. <laughs> not yeah, because really... I like coffee, not because I like snacks, because sometimes I have to go to the bathroom and that's the only place. Yeah, I remember when I first moved to the city about eight years ago, it was really hard to find somewhere to go to the bathroom. And there were certain subway stops you knew it was like a no man's land, like Canal Street. You know, there's nothing, there was nothing Canal Street. You'd be screwed mm. for three subway stops in any direction. But now with the Starbucks, it's, you got a bathroom right there, everywhere they are. It's, uh, it's an interesting change. And, um, I've done a lot of research on like municipally provided public toilets and cities are, are, you know, they don't like spending their money on public toilets to begin with, but now that there's so many Starbucks and McDonald's everywhere, it's almost like they don't need to because they know that the private sector is giving bathrooms in exchange for the one bathroom user who will come in and buy a latte after they're done. <clears throat> a lot of the public bathrooms um, in, in a Starbucks or Barnes & Noble or places like that, a lot of them have switched to the automatic flushing toilets or the automatic flushing urinals or the yeah. automatic sinks. Do you like that? Is that an improvement? Yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of control over your own destiny. A few years ago, Poop Report did an in-depth study. Uh, oh, by the way, poopreport.com is the site dedicated to the intellectual appreciation of poop humor. Um, mm -hmm. I started it in 1999. Uh, a couple years ago, we did a big thing. We researched the um, automatic flush toilet. And I actually talked to this dude who works for Sloan Valve, um, which is one of like the big toilet producers in the country. I actually talked to a lot of people, uh, like producers at toilet manufacturers, and all, they all saying, you know, here's how it works and, and so on. And uh, we don't have any records of 
uh, toilets flushing while you're sitting on them. As far as we know, our products are working perfectly. So there's like a, a bit of denial, I think, in industry that, you know, what you and I know is that they're going to flush when you're on the toilet and you're going to get the dreaded cool wind as uh, everything flushes below you. <laughs> um, but we, uh, we did learn the technique for defeating it if it won't stop flushing is you take a little piece of paper and you moisten it, I, I guess, by spitting on it or, or whatever, maybe dipping it, and then you stick it above the or right on top of the little electric eye and then it won't flush anymore. Um, and then presumably when you leave, you pull it away so it flushes. Uh, that would be the responsible thing to do. Well, there you go. A tip for the listeners. Welcome to the Paunch Stevenson Show. Um, yeah, that and... It just seems like whenever I go into a public bathroom, I don't understand why the toilets, the handles, the doorknobs, the sink, everything is saturated. Why is everything wet? Yeah, it is kind of weird. <laughs> um, I worked at an office once where uh, a couple of guys had the habit of grasping the doorknob with a, a paper towel as they left. You know, the, the old techniques, so you don't get the doorknob germs on the, on the bathroom door. Uh-huh. Um, but then they would deposit the uh, used wet paper towel at the secretary's trash can, and she was furious. And it was like a big old controversy that she wanted her trash can off-limits to bathroom wet towels. Well, they should have put a separate garbage can outside of the bathroom door. Yeah, I guess that'd be a little unsightly. (laughs) Bathroom politics, man. Well, and which brings us to the book Poop Culture... In the book, you talk about how the society has taken on these rules. Should we hide it or, or, you know, we don't want people to know that we're doing it, even though everyone does it. Yeah, well, the basic crux of the book is that the toilet was invented not for sanitary reasons like most of us think, but rather for ideological reasons. And what I mean by that is um, back in the Industrial Revolution, the rich people were very terrified because all of a sudden, all the poor people had the opportunity to make money and get rich. Um, and so suddenly, if money's not an object, they decided that they're going to have to make their bodies as if they're different kind of species. So um, even though these poor people could uh, you know, buy clothing and fancy food, they would still wouldn't be part of the elite thing. So, so this demand existed for an apparatus, so it would make it seem like they didn't have any human waste at all. Um, and that's where the toilet came from, to satisfy the desire of standing up and pressing a button and having your waste disappear uh, as if it didn't exist at all. And so even though we all use the bathroom today, it still has this ideology of a black hole in which all our waste disappears and the bathroom is a place which is out of sight and out of smell and out of hearing and everything that happens in there must be you know, not talked about because this is the ideology the Victorians gave us. Yeah, we all do it. We all know that we all do it. And we're all humiliated when <laughs> someone finds out that we do it. Exactly. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And uh, someone should write a book. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> well, and you also um, had a good point in the book about how not only was it a way for the upper class to distance themselves from the lower class people, but it was also a way for them to actually save their employees, I guess. Yeah, well, well. so so let's jump ahead. The, the toilet was more or less invented 
in a form we'd recognize in around 1775. Um, in around the 1850s or 1860s, um, there, were, there had been these huge cholera outbreaks all throughout the first half of the 19th century. Um, even, you know, this was in England where the toilet was invented, but also all over Europe and even in America where 150,000 people died of cholera um, over 70 years or something. And so in the 1860s, they figured out that it's fecal contamination of water that is spreading cholera. Um, and so from there, they realized, well, what we have to do is make sure our waste does not get into our water by uh, using sewers to transport it away. And the easiest way to get it into sewers is to flush it down the toilet. There were, there were definitely like genuinely altruistic people who were like, we need to help the poor because they're dying of cholera. And, and there were, you know, Jacob Reese here in New York City was a very big moral reformer and sanitary reformer as well uh, in the 1870s and 1880s. But at the same time, you know, the businesses were kind of underwriting them because they finally had been taught why all their workers are dying of cholera. And, you know, I obviously have spent my entire life with toilets and bathrooms and indoor plumbing, but I found it pretty interesting that it's a relatively recent thing to have that in people's yeah. homes. Right. So, so before, uh, the sanitary reform took place and we were all required to have this room in which we go to do our thing that cannot be mentioned, um, we all used chamber pots or closed stools, uh, which is essentially a cabinet that your chamber pot was built into, or we had, um, a privy in the backyard that we shared with all our neighbors. So if you had a chamber pot or a closed stool, well, if you had a chamber pot, then you're probably poor because a closed stool takes up real estate and you don't have that much real estate because you're a poor tailor with four kids and a, your mother-in-law living all in a one-room apartment on the Lower East Side. And so with your chamber pot, you know, you can be discreet about it, but everyone in the room is going to know what you're doing, hear what you're doing, and smell what you're doing. Um, similarly, if you had a backyard privy with uh, that you shared with all your neighbors, it's going to be like a four or five seater and you're going to be in there doing your business. And then your next door neighbor is going to come down and start doing his business and you're going to have a conversation. Uh, and the bathroom today is like fraught with psychological trauma and we're so hung up about it. But back then, because it was so much more communal and so much more accepted, it wasn't as big of a deal. I am very glad about uh, the whole revolution with indoor plumbing and the toilets and all that because I can't even begin to imagine having to use a chamber pot or having to see someone else. I I just I can't even imagine that whole situation. Sure. <laughs> but 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 then comparatively, the the tailor with four kids couldn't imagine spending you know his rent money on a room that he uses once every day to go to the bathroom in. You know, the, the, the perspectives have changed. So now we have a huge economic investment in this uh, infrastructure that really um, isn't being used, you know, like, like, an, like an investment. So I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that I am pro-chamber pot and I want us all to be going to the bathroom or living room, you know, quite the contrary. Um, but I'm just saying that there's a lot of very different perspectives and it's really good to step outside and take a look at our culture and try to understand why it is the way it is. Do you have any feelings or any thoughts about what the future 
springs for toilets or poop culture or bathrooms? Well, you haven't made it to chapter four yet, uh, but you soon <laughs> will, uh, and you'll learn about the environmental impact of toilets and sewers, and you'll realize that there's some serious environmental issues. Um, now, start with the fact that the toilet has saved probably more lives than any other invention, and that's a very good thing. Um, but the very bad thing that it's done is it takes all our waste and funnels it through the sewers to uh, the sewage treatment plant. But along with the sewers is all the Drano you pour down the toilet and all the detergent you wash your clothes in and all the paint if you, if you wash your paintbrushes in the sink. And then industry is dumping stuff in the sewers. And all God knows how many chemicals are, are mixing in with the organic waste and come into the sewage treatment plant. And then you have a problem. You have, on the one hand, all, all the sewage, which is organic matter that really should be applied back to the land to complete the food chain. Because even though we're at the top of the food chain, we also should be at the bottom because we should be giving food for bacteria and for plants. Um, but it's all contaminated with all this industrial waste and household waste. So if we do put it back on the land, then we're going to have these issues of contaminants that are going to come back to haunt us one way or another. So the future, I think, um, and this is some very distant and utopic, is utopic a word? Utopia-esque future? Um, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. The, the, the future is where we collect our waste locally by keeping it out of the sewers and then do something with it, either, um, you know, composting it and, and giving it to farms or even better, there's some researchers in Penn State who are working on systems to develop power from our waste. But isn't that cool? Like, imagine if every time you poop, you know, that's like another six hours of power for your house. Yeah. Or there could be a car where the seat is a toilet. <laughs> the gasoline. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's well, great. So was... When you say um, that the waste would be collected locally, uh, how local do you mean? Do you mean people actually collecting it themselves? or um, You know, th there are a number of ideas on it. And I actually went uh, and heard a lecturer today who talked about the need for decentralization of infrastructure so that rather than having one sewage plant, you know, taking care of an entire 2 million person city, you have 200 sewage plants that take care of uh, 10,000 people each. And that way you can manage what goes into the sewers a lot more and take care of things very locally. Um, so that's one idea. Um, in my book, I talk about, and I, I make it very clear that I am wildly speculating and that any infrastructure will require um, a billion dollars of investment in thought because that's how much came, went into our current infrastructure. Um, but imagine if like, there's some sort of household collection in your basement, and obviously it's a closed loop, so you don't want to smell it or, or get it spilled on you or anything, but right. you collect it in buckets, let's say, that that are closed so that the raccoons or the kids can't knock it over, and then you just put it out on the on the on the curb and they pick it up like they pick up the garbage and they take it to the sewage plant where it's properly composted and used as fertilizer. Well that's but a good it, idea because I feel like at least the people I talk to, that never comes up. It seems like it's something that's ignored and maybe you know how How we do it today? Yeah, how do we get around that problem currently? Uh, we we really don't. Um, <laughs> oh, so so <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so so the the waste is taken to the it goes to the sewage plant. They uh they they process it and what they're left over. They got two things. They have water which they discharge into the rivers, which is uh pretty clean. They do a fairly good job of cleaning the water. Um, 
but then they then they have the sludge left over. And so they take the sludge and they can bury it in a landfill. They used to dump it in the ocean, but that's been outlawed. Um, you could burn it, which is you know a nominal source of energy, but not very much. Or they do take it, and like in New York City, they used to ship it to Texas and put it on farms in Texas. Um, and then we have the problem of these contaminants. Well, you can take lime and you could treat the pH balance of the soil so that the contaminants stay suspended in the soil so they don't move up into the food or down into the water table. But that means you have to really work the land and the pH balance of the land from the day you apply the contaminants forever and ever. Well, eventually farmers are going to die or, or the land is going to go you know, go to waste, and then those contaminants are going to move up into the food chain or down into the water table. So what we've done now is kind of prolong the problem and let future generations deal with it. Um, but it's going to come back to us eventually, which is kind of scary because we don't know what will happen when it does. Yeah, well, I mean, that's <laughs> that's like everything else that we do. <laughs> right, right. right. Well, <laughs> that's okay for now. <laughs> They'll figure it out with their rocket cars and their gasoline. They'll do it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your website, poopreport.com. We talked about it on the Paul Stevenson show back in episode 16. Good episode. Yeah. Well, I started Poop Report in 1999. Um, back in 1999, I was working at a dot-com, and like most other dot-coms, it was kind of in a deathward spiral, slowly collapsing in on itself. And so I had very little to do all day, um, except for I am my buddy, who also had very little to do all day. And, you know, when you're I aming all day with someone, eventually there's nothing else to talk about but your poop. Uh, and so one day, my friend had a really funny story. Um, and I thought, well, this has to be shared with the world. And so I spent hours searching for a site to share poop stories with the world, and I couldn't find it. And so I thought, my God, this is why I went to college. This is why I was born, to start this site. <laughs> and so uh, I put his story up, and uh, other people started sending me their stories, and it kind of blossomed and steamrolled and uh, became this big thing. Now it's like a community, and every day we post a new story or a consumer report or, uh, you know, advice column or, or technical column, like something like that, um, written by a user, and then everyone comments on it, and there's a really robust community built around it. Um, but like I said, we're dedicated to the intellectual appreciation of poop humor. So we have the funny story about the dude who, you know, is running to the bathroom and tripped over his dog and hit the ground and poop sprayed out everywhere. Um, <laughs> but then we'll like kind of have some analysis about like why this is funny and, and what this means and, and, and so on. And, uh, it's really a very interesting site. And, um, I say that having, you know, worked on it for seven years, if it were boring by now, I would have given it up a long time ago. We also have like a medical advice column and uh, the, the woman who runs it is Motherload and she's our resident podiatrist and that's podiatrist. <laughs> nice. Yeah, classy. Uh, and, and, you know, so, so she'll answer people's medical advice and there's a very common problem, which I had no idea was common, but uh, people's butt leaks. It's like, like sweaty butt syndrome or leaky butt syndrome. And there are thousands of people across the world whose butt is constantly leaking uh, it really like affects your life in a negative way. Um, well, we, we posted this thing. Someone wrote in asking about what to do. And she gave her answer. And then just by virtue of people Googling it, it's become like this great page with tons of advice what to do about a leaky butt. And as it turns out, 
many leaky butts are caused by a bad diet. And if you just start, get a better diet, and most importantly, start taking lots of fiber supplements like Metamucil, you're going to solve the leaky butt problem. And so someone posted a comment today about how they took the advice, they'd had this problem for years, they, they went out and they bought uh, some Metamucil, and then within 12 hours, they could notice a difference. And then within four days, the problem was completely gone. So when you first made that website, I guess it must have just caught on on its own. Yeah, you know, it, it never had the, the like huge exponential growth that I expected. I figured one day it would just take off and it would be huge. And it wasn't. It's been a, a slow, steady growth throughout the years. Um, you know, started at 50 users a day, then, then the next month it was 100 and so on. Um, and now we're up to about 10,000 people every single day coming to the site, which is incredible. You know, who knows, like, if the book will be the, the thing that pushes it over the line or if it's just going to maintain this slow and steady growth till the end of time. You know, it surprised me um, when I first started this site. I thought I'd be attracting a lot of like college kids and high school kids, um, but most of the, the the most active and dedicated poop reporters are men and women in the 30s and 40s, and uh, especially women. So, for so many women to come out and embrace it and, and get into this site has really been a big surprise to me, and I think it's really great. It, it's opened up avenues of the culture that I never thought uh, really thought about. Um, the website for the book is poopthebook.com. That's right. So people can check that out. And you're doing an interview on the radio? Oh, yeah. I've been doing all sorts of radio interviews. Uh, I've been on Sirius Satellite Radio a lot, as well as you know local morning zoos. Um, I'm doing something with uh, a uh, radio station in New Haven, Connecticut, which is where my grandfather lives. So I'm excited because grandfather's going to get to hear me on the radio. So he's going to go out to his car and um, he, I know he's really worried about getting the radio to work because he doesn't ever use FM, so he doesn't know if it's going to work. Uh, <laughs> but I think he'll he'll do just fine, and I'll get to give my grandpa a little shout out on the air. Wow, so you'll be on FM radio? Oh yeah, FM, the new thing. <laughs> That's big time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is really taking off. Yeah, um, we're we're doing this thing uh, in Philadelphia. We're calling it the Tower of Poo. It's a a night of poop humor and poop culture. Um, and what's going to happen is I'm, I'm partnering up with a couple of comedians in, uh, Philly and they're going to tell some funny poop stories, you know, the, the kind of stuff that you find on my site. And then I'm going to tell like more of the stuff that we talked about, about the culture of, and, and the environment and things like that. So it's kind of a yin and yang in terms of poop. And, uh, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty cool. Um, that's going to be on June 2nd. And if it is, and if it, it's successful, I don't see why we wouldn't be doing a lot more of those all over the country. So you know how uh, a few years ago the vagina monologues took the country by storm? Uh, well, move over vagina. <laughs> the butt monologues. Um, yeah, well, that's really cool. And people can go to poopthebook.com and check out any of the upcoming events. Yeah. Uh, radio interviews or these shows that you're putting on. And uh, And the book is on Amazon and it's in most Barnes and Nobles and it's in the independent bookstore near you. Um, cool. Well, I will put a link to your websites on our website, paunchstevenson.com. Is there anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to mention? Any cool things you've seen recently? 
Well, I'm writing an article uh, for the New York Times about recycling your urine in your garden, like fertilizer. Uh, and as it turns out, the, the chemicals in urine are exactly the same things that you buy in the fertilizer, the 40-pound bags in the store. Um, and my wife and I were talking about it. And the problem is, like, how do you actually get the uh, urine from your self into the garden short of peeing on your plants. And <laughs> the idea is that we should manufacture some sort of special receptacle designed just to do that. So it's a plug for the future. You know, gardeners of the world look for our urine recycling tool coming to an ACE hardware near you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, don't, don't listeners don't steal my idea. You're all on your honor. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Dave Prager, poop culture, Go to Barnes & Noble, buy it. It's very interesting. Thanks a lot for having me.